You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jim Metzner, and this is The Pulse of the Planet. Today, a visit with wild bird rehabilitator Annie Mardinet. On the grounds of her home in Rosendale, New York, Annie feeds and cares for injured birds that people have brought to her. It's a 24-7 kind of a job. Inside a screened-in porch, there's a collection of cloth bird cages with baby birds in them. And every half hour or so, I have to remember to feed the little ones. They can survive a little longer than that, but, you know, they get, they do get hungry. So I've got all the little babies out here. I've got some, I've got three red-tailed hawks. Out in one of my buildings, I've got a juvenile crow. I've got two barred owls in rehab. And then I take in, what, like, the last couple years, I took in almost 500 birds each year. This year, it's actually significantly slower than the past two years, and I'm not sure why. Like I have a, I've brought in 105 orphaned or injured birds this year so far. And it's just far less than the last couple of years, which just maybe indicates that people are just back to their normal jobs, back to work, not out in nature as much. So who's making all the noise here? Well, I will show you. They're all hungry. They're hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. I feed them, and then before I can walk inside to cool off, they're hungry again. These are two robins, juvenile robins, not quite ready. Annie fills a syringe with bird formula and gently squeezes it into the bird's little beaks. And uh, mix it with water or Pedialyte. Get the right consistency so that it's not gooey but it's not runny. And then I I feed these, these babies dawn to dusk every half hour, 45 minutes. And when they get a little bit um, a little bit older, and they're starting to help themselves to some of the live mealworms. These robins will go out in a flight. So there's plenty of food out there, plenty of room to fly and exercise, and I go in a few times a day to make sure that they're, they're eating, to top them off with some formula. How did these guys come to you, these robins? Well, they're two different families brought them to me. I think this littler one was just found on the ground last week. Uh, still half fuzz, half definitely too young to be on the ground, no parents in sight, and just a little too dehydrated, a little too thin. And we've had some super hot days too, which is makes it a, a little bit risky to have a nestling that young on the ground that's not being tended to. I believe this other one, a little older, came in because one of the parents had been found dead, and the other one was a was a wall just wasn't there. Now, it could have been that the siblings fledged and left with the other parent, and this one was just left behind. Right now, they're both fine. Do they 
imprint on you? Do they think that you're the mom ever? Is that ever an issue? They... It's something that is possible with almost any species of wild bird. Um, there's some that are more prone to imprinting very fast than others. Like, for example, ducklings and goslings, they can imprint on a person within seriously an hour or two hours. So a lot of people will find these one duckling or a couple goslings and they're so cute, right? You want to pick them up and cuddle them just like kittens because they're just so cute. And by the time they get to me, they're solid imprints on humans. So I've done this for going on 19 years. If somebody brings me ducklings or goslings that they've been handling like their pet puppy for more than really even a few hours, I really debate whether to expend any energy with them. I've done this before where you, you even put them in with wild adult ducks or geese of the same species that I might have in rehab. Put them in there, make sure they don't see me other than my hands going in to replenish the food and the water. And even so, I've, a number of times when I release those ducklings or geese when they're old enough, instead of running towards the flock of their own species, they run after me or after the nearest human or after the next car that comes by. So it's really frustrating to get goslings and ducklings that have been, you know, treated like pets. But other species, it's not, it's really not that hard to keep them from being imprinted. I don't pick these up and pet them. I don't handle them any more than I need to. All I do is feed them, clean their little habitats. Once they're out in the flight building, they see even less of me. But I try my very best to not coddle them any more than necessary. So we have two robins here. How old would you say these guys are? A couple of weeks, maybe? They're a couple of weeks old. So they, incubation for most of these songbirds, these passerines, is uh, almost always 14 days. Passerine? That's um, a general term for songbirds of almost all kinds. So passerines are, you know, robins, sparrows, wrens, uh, any bird that has to be fed by their parents for at least a month, basically. So these guys, if they were with their parents, would be out and about hopping around. They wouldn't quite be able to fly yet, but they would be following the parental instructions from the bushes, and the parents would come down and scold them if there's a cat coming by, or they would come down and feed them every once in a while. So their tough love with their parents would have started already. Robins are famous for going after worms. These guys haven't been shown how to go for worms. Will they do that intuitively, or do you have to get worms for them? I do put actual live earthworms in the flight building when I put them out there. I have different kinds of pans, dirt with leaves, and so they, when they move around, they make a little bit of noise. Sometimes I'll put marble-sized balls of tinfoil in whatever food that I'm trying to get a bird to eat. For these guys, it would be live mealworms and wormworms. They are attracted to shiny stuff. They'll peck at it because it's interesting, and then by accident, they might actually see that worm over there. It always helps if I happen to have an adult of the same species in rehab, but that's just pure chance. At the moment, I don't have any robins, adult robins in rehab, but usually it works. Usually, once they discover that there's actual better-tasting food in that pan, the live worms, they are very less interested in me. They will actually fly away from me and start 
flying towards the windows in the building because they want out. If they're flying well and they're eating on their own, it could be a matter of a day before I let them go. It might be a few more days. And I don't let any of them go here, honestly, because should they decide that they're still hungry, and if by chance they're a little imprinted on me, I don't want them to come towards me. Plus, I have four dogs in the backyard. So God forbid that they fly back there looking for, uh, for me or for my husband. It almost never happens. There are species like starlings that are also really hard to raise up without imprinting on people. They're super smart, they're relentless if they're hungry, and they will follow you or any other human and land on your head, land on your head. They're not dangerous, they're just annoying. So the, I have to release birds like that wherever there's the most of their own species. Then they get distracted real fast and forget about us. So these are two eastern bluebirds. Their parents were killed by house sparrows. They're cute, that's for sure. Aren't they beautiful? You can already tell that this one is a male. So that beautiful blue color coming in. Sometimes I'll actually put wrens or bluebirds right in with another nest, a wild nest, if it happens to be one on my property. Here these guys. Would they take them even though they're not their own? Uh, they would. Uh, they would, and these guys are old enough to, uh, once they're out, out in the brush and in the trees, they're going to follow those adult bluebirds and pretty quickly learn what it means to catch a caterpillar. And who is we have over here? Who's, who's a noisy guy? Oh, geez, that's the tuft of titmouse. Oh, my goodness. That, that bird. Big mouth, bottomless stomach, apparently. Uh, constantly begging for food. This one was found at a, um, I think it was a park in the grass last week, just on its own, no parents anywhere, no response to all this cheeping. I think it was after one of the storms last week, too. Those, as far as I can figure, are chipping sparrows, mainly seed eaters. Uh, I can't teach them how to eat seeds. Uh, I just make it available and sprinkle it on the floor. Uh, they can't, uh, they could swallow the seeds, but they don't know how to break the seed hull yet. Mm. And honestly, when I release them, there's no guarantee that they're, with any of these birds that they're going to survive, there's no way for me to track them. I try my very best to not release anybody who just needs more time. And in rehab, they, they all need more time than they would if they were out in the wild with their parents. The, all of them. Is there, are there any birds that you don't want to put together? Are there some birds that you just aren't, don't mix well, or they all sort of get along with each other? Well, so? obviously the raptors are separate yeah. from everybody else, but there's no, obviously no way I can put a raptor in, mm -hmm. a, even a baby raptor in with any of these guys. For I mean, for one thing, they're the apex predators around, mm -hmm. and they're also usually much bigger than these, and they have a whole different diet, which involves cut-up pieces of mouse for the most part. Yeah. And there are species that I, I'm just careful with, like um, there's really fragile birds, uh, like plovers or killdeer, like 
they're very tiny. The babies are very tiny. They have these like toothpick legs. And I, I just would never put a bird like that in with any of these big, uh, you know, crazy wild sparrows or even the bluebirds could trample them. This one, it's a Carolina wren, a fledgling, but it's got a broken leg. And so this afternoon when I have some concentrated time, I'm going to attempt to set the leg. Uh, it's, How do you do that? Oh, it's, there's a, it's very hard with these little teeny tiny things. Uh, but I use, you know, a blunt toothpick or um, even a straw and use medical tape. You know, just, uh, I cut medical tape into dozens and dozens of tiny little pieces actually hanging from here. So I put the tape on top of the leg all the way up from the hip down to the foot. Uh, and So there's tape underneath, there's tape on top. And then I trim the excess off both sides so that it's less of a drag on the poor little thing. Very hard with these guys. I also, you know, I really don't want these guys to suffer, any of these birds. So if I, if I can't set that leg well enough or the bird is just in too much pain, I'll, I'll euthanize it. I've already given it a couple drops of a oral pain med just to ease it up. I'm hand-feeding it. It's hungry. If it was bigger, it's like easier, but these teeny tiny things, oh man. That is a northern flicker. It's what I would call, I'd still call that one a nestling. Uh, it is here because there was a tree cutting project down an hour south of here and obviously a tree was taken down that had a nest of woodpeckers. This was the only one that was either found or found alive. You know, it's very sad when these guys are, are eggs or hatched and parents are there and then the tree comes down and I understand Sometimes tree cutting is essential because it's, you know, you're, there's a tree hanging over your house or there was a storm and a lot of tree fall and such, but I'm always hoping that there's people that own those tree companies have a few cards in their pocket or a list of rehabbers in their pocket and just remember that there's people like me that will take, take the ones, take the ones that are alive. My thanks to Andy Martinet. We'll hear more in future programs. I'm Jim Metzner, and this is The Pulse of the Planet.